Welcome to The Cindy Rushton Show. Encouraging, empowering, and equipping as you step into your calling and life purpose. Here is your hostess, Cindy Rushton. Okay, well, welcome everybody. This is, get this, show number 18 of the Cindy Rushton Show. And I am so excited to be welcoming one of my longtime friends, coaches, mentors. I mean, man, I, I can't even tell you guys how much I really adore Cliff and Stephanie Ravenscraft, but I've got Cliff on the mic today. So I'm really excited to have him on here. Welcome, Cliff. Cindy, thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this ever since you and I reconnected recently on Clubhouse, of all yeah. things. <laughs> I love Clubhouse. I have to watch it. Somebody told me the first day, I said, oh, I like this. This is fun. They said, it's not called Clubhouse. It's called Crack House. <laughs> it's the Crack House. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. I have to watch myself. It's like a reward. If you've done all your work today, you may have some time on Clubhouse, but it always ends up I'm there way longer and it is amazing. So I was glad to connect. <laughs> it is. It's incredible. I mean, it's an opportunity to connect at such a deep level with so many people around so many different passions. I think it's the best thing that's been introduced in technology since podcasting. Yeah, I would have to agree. What I love, I think the most about it right now is everybody's so optimistic they're ready to pour into one another. And if anybody's not on Clubhouse, make that your ambition. But again, watch your time. <laughs> and, and you definitely will want to connect with Cliff. Man, he has got some great um, time. I've enjoyed being in your room a couple of times. I snuck in a couple of times and then you caught me. You caught me. <laughs> in, in <the> one time. <laughs> okay, so. Here's what I noticed. Uh, you know, I followed you way back when you had Podcast Answer Man. I remember really taking um, an interest. More, It was in podcasting, of course. But then when I started seeing your journey, it was more than just podcasting. It was your journey, what I would call, what I've been doing even myself, of finding me or finding you. And I love, I, I did this fast forward. I binge listen to you on your podcast and I see a shift. You have, you've just been on journey and I love that you are like modeling exactly what you teach people to do. So I'm going to first of all, back up, take us on your journey. Tell us a little bit about um, where, you know, I know we, let's start back at podcast answer man and bring us fast forward. <laughs> so Podcast Answer Man is a online business that I created to support a habit that I had. <laughs> and that habit was doing something I felt more called to do than anything else I felt called to do on this planet, which is to create content with my voice that entertained, encouraged, inspired others, educated them with the hopes to minister to them. Frankly, that's it. So if I... I, I Cindy, to do this justice, I have to go back prior to Podcast Answer Man to let you know how Podcast Answer Man came about. Oh yeah. And so for me, let me just let me just say I've there are three things to know about me. I'm an early adopter to all things technology. I love technology. 
Another thing to know about me is that I've always had a deep desire to know God and to serve him. Mm-hmm. And I have already felt a full-time call to ministry in my life. I would say all the way back to when I was 18 years old, but it mm-hmm. became officially confirmed by quote unquote, the church uh, that's in quote unquote, you know, air quotes <laughs> there, but I was confirmed in 1996 and I began full t- I began a pursuit of ordination, which I eventually was ordained, but, and I was a pastor for 10 years. Now that was, I was never on a quote unquote, on official church paid staff because Mm -hmm. I always did it on, uh, on the side because in 1996, my parents, after I got married said, we want you to come work in the family business, which they owned an insurance agency, which my grandfather started in 1937, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I was, they, they wanted me to come work for them. And I said, listen, I will come work for you in the insurance office on two conditions. Number one, you'll not make me get my life insurance or my insurance license. Cause I have no desire to sell insurance. Uh, and number two, by the way, they, they said, we want you to come work for us. Number one, because you're not making enough money to support a family. They're working at Staples call center, you know, uh-huh. doing their customer support over the telephone. Uh-huh. Uh, but, and we can pay you more. There's more money here for you. But the other thing is they said, listen, you've got all these computer skills and yeah. there's this thing called windows 95. And supposedly we are able to network <laughs> these computers and we're going to buy this software that's called agency management. We're going to be able to start using computers to do insurance quoting. It's supposed to speed everything up and we have no clue how to start this. So we just want to hire you to hook up our computers. That's all. And wow. I said, I'll, I'll come <laughs> do this for you on yeah. two conditions. One, you will not try to get me to sell insurance. I have no desire to be in your family business for the rest of my life. Number two, if I'm ever offered an opportunity to pastor my own church full time, mm-hmm. I have to have your blessing to leave. I don't care how much less money I would make in the process. Mm-hmm. And they said, fine. So let's just fast forward, let's say 10 years into that journey. I've now been working for them uh, for a decade. Uh, at this point, by the way, just about nine months after I set up their computers, I was bored twiddling my thumbs and I was the <laughs> most overpaid file clerk you can possibly imagine. So uh, what, what does one do when they're sitting there using the computer to do quotes for everybody in the office? They're making all the commissions, but I'm not. And I'm not allowed legally to receive a commission for those insurance quotes because I don't have a license. Mm-hmm. My dad says, well, if, you know, if you had a license, I could give you a commission. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And what what all is involved in this? Oh, you just sit into a you sit in a class. You're required to have 40 hours of instruction, and then you go and get uh you go take a multiple choice test, and as long as you get a 70 percent or better, you've got a license. And so <laughs> I went and got a property casualty license, which gave me the ability to sell auto, home, business insurance, and then I went and got my life and health license. So I be I actually got licensed to sell anything and everything you could in the insurance industry for all for in an independent agency owned by my parents. Well, one thing led to another, my income started to go up significantly, mm-hmm. all right, significantly, so much so that the idea of me ever leaving that cushy, absolute perfect career opportunity, I'm now next in line to take over the insurance agency if my dad ever retires, the paperwork's in place, I'm making more money than anybody else I personally know, except for my dad, 
Um, and, and the idea of me ever leaving that to go pastor a church full time, whatever, you know, there, I can't even imagine it. In fact, I got to the place where I was like, listen, the work that I'm doing as an insurance agent, this is incredible ministry to my community. And I, that's not just like trying to justify it. It really is valuable. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've had 24 year old men who came into my office and says, listen, I just bought this brand new Mustang convertible and I want to add it to my insurance policy. How much is it going to cost me? And I said, well, it'll cost this much. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. It's like, have you already bought the car? Yep. I said, well, let's take a look at some things. And of course he's rent, he's, he's married. He has two young kids and they're renting in an apartment. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, well, do you have renter's insurance? No, I don't want that. So well, it's eight bucks a month, but if you get it, It'll give you a such. I think it was a fifteen percent discount. You'll save thirty dollars a month if you pay for this eight dollar policy. Mm-hmm. Oh well, of of course I want that tenant's policy, and so I'm like, great. Do you have life insurance? No. Said so, so that you've paid cash for this car. Is that what you're telling me? Oh no, I've got a full loan on it. I'm upside down. I'm like, have you thought about what happens if you get killed in an accident? Mm-hmm. I don't like to think about that kind of stuff. Well, let's talk about it. And so in essence, I sit there and talk to him about becoming debt-free. I introduce him to Dave Ramsey. Uh, he walks out of the office with a $250,000 life policy, term insurance. He's now understood what it means to live debt-free over the next 15 to 20 years. He's going to become debt-free so that when this 20-year term policy comes up, he won't need it anymore if he followed the advice. But in the meantime, if anything happens to him, his wife and his family received $250,000. His wife, he's like, well, do you have life insurance on your wife? No. You know, it's like, well, let me show you how much it, have you ever thought about how much it would cost to have a, somebody, you know, take care of your two kids if something happened to your wife? And it's like, and so he walks out the door with a renter's insurance policy, a $250,000 life insurance policy on himself, a $75,000 or $100,000 policy on his wife, and a $10,000 insurance writer on each of his children. And it's actually $7 a month less than if he didn't have all of that stuff. Wow. But he was convinced yeah. he didn't want any of it. But so I sat down and not, so he walks out with with coverage for his apartment, for all of his contents in his apartment. He walks out with all of that life insurance money or, or life insurance coverage. And he and he actually is spending less money if he just said, listen, Cliff, just put the car on the policy. I'll have to find a way to make it happen. And so as a result of, and this is like a hour and a half conversation with this client. And he just, he thought he was going to be in for 10 minutes and out the door with his proof of insurance card, but I've just given him an education. This was severe ministry. You know what I'm saying? Now, Cindy, I did this. I sold approximately 30 to 40 life insurance policies a month this Mm, way. Yeah. And I will tell you, That scenario I had over and over and over again. And what I will say is I'm not so excited about is that I've actually delivered $250,000 checks Mm -hmm. to those people who said, I don't want life insurance, but they died. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is my ministry. At least that's what I thought. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I started podcasting as a hobby in December 2005. Uh, I was just a hobby playing around. My wife and I were watching this TV show Lost. I had already been subscribed to a bunch of TV, uh, a bunch of podcasts about the TV show Lost. 
-hmm. I was loving it, sharing with her everything. I I'd go to church on Sundays and, and I would talk to everybody about what I knew that they had no, like, it's like, did you see Lost this week? Oh yeah, it was a really great episode. <laughs> did you see this? No, uh -huh. I didn't see that. Did you know this? Did you see that book that was laying on the bed back, you know, when Desmond got up and he went to check the alarm? Did you see the book that was on the on his bed that was laying on its like on you know face down opened? He, no, what are you talking about? Yeah, there's a book and this was the title of the book. If you do a screen capture and you you zoom in, you see the title of the book. But if you go to Amazon and read the summary, this is what that book's about. And this is the what it might mean to the mystery that they're telling on the show. Oh, yeah. Cliff, where are you getting this information? I said, I listen to podcasts. You know, how can you not have a full understanding of how awesome this show is? And of course, people would give me about 15 to 20 minutes every week to talk to them and then find their like, listen, Cliff, I've had enough about your podcasting and your lost talk. I can't, you know, we're going to, if you don't mind, we're going to go back to talking about the weather and football. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so nobody wanted to hear me talk. So Cindy, I decided through a string of events, I'm just going to just skip some stuff, but I'll just say that I was encouraged to create my own lost podcast. And yeah. I did with Stephanie. And I got, I, we had by our third episode through a string of events that only God could bring about, we had 27,000 subscribers by our third episode. And it grew to over 60,000 subscribers around the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. Here I am, an wow. insurance agent, in Northern Kentucky, nobody's ever heard of me before outside of Northern Kentucky. And mm -hmm. now I am actually reaching tens of thousands of people. And people are like, some of those episodes are like um, Tabula Rasa was the name of an episode. It was starting over with a clean slate. Well, hello, that's a Christian theme. Uh, the Another one was all good cowboys have daddy issues. And Stephanie and I both shared our authentic <laughs> stories of our daddy issues. There was an episode called the 23rd Psalm and they misquoted the scripture. And I actually shared how it was quoted, what verses they actually reversed and how that might actually give some indication of what's going on to the show, but also gave me the opportunity to talk about what that verse really means. And so people are starting to say, send us emails, like hundreds of emails a month, hundreds of emails a month. Oh my gosh, Cliff, I heard you and Stephanie talk about this. I'm so inspired. Because of you and Stephanie, I've decided to become debt-free. Because of you and Stephanie, I've decided to reconcile with my wife and get, go back to mm. my kids. And because of you and Stephanie, this, because of, can you tell me more about your faith? How do you, how does somebody who seems as logical as you believe in Jesus? That does, does can you explain that? I'm not, I'm seriously, I'm not judging you. I just, I'm just curious because you seem like a re reasonable thinking guy. I, and, and this is the first, I've never heard of a Christian watching a television show like Lost before. Tell me, how does this happen? And so we started launching other podcasts to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, Stephanie and I did for a decade, we did the Family from the Heart podcast. We did tons of podcasts and it became clear after about a year of doing this as a hobby, I began to ask myself, what would life be like if I could do this mm -hmm. yeah. for a living instead of selling insurance? This yeah. was my greatest ministry in the world. And, and so that's how Podcast Answer Man came about. Podcast mm -hmm. Answer Man came about because I thought I would try to find some way to make money from content. And I did. I mean, I, I, was, I was able to make about twenty-five dollars to $35,000 a year just from content alone uh, in 2008. 
eight, but that's not enough. I mean, that's, that wasn't enough to cover what my income was as an insurance agent. It was still a drastic decrease in income. So the number one thing that was a marketable skill that I had was I had already produced hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes. And I'd already learned all the things not to do in podcasting. And so people were paying me a lot of money saying, Cliff, I'd like to hire you for a couple hours and ask you questions related to podcasting. And I started out at $50 an hour. I bumped up to $95 an hour. Then I went to $150 an hour. Briefly for about seven days, I was at $200 an hour. Then I went to $300 an hour. And then I stopped doing hourly and I did a four-week course that was originally $800, but then I jumped the price up to 2000 and since then have sold millions of dollars worth of teaching more than 40,000 people how to launch a podcast. So that's the podcast answer man story. Love it. Love it. See, I think that's about where I had left off up until Clubhouse. As a matter of fact, I believe I bought some of your early courses. I listened to the Lost Show. I listened to your family show. I listened to your Getting Fit and Healthy. And of course, I listened to Podcast Answer Man. I was obviously a groupie and did not even know it. But, you know, <laughs> fast forward to Clubhouse. We we um, reconnected. I saw you in a room the other day. and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to connect with him. And man, you guys, if you're not again on Clubhouse, you really do want to connect because there's just this awesome way of all of us getting to talk and ask the questions that need to be asked. And um, so anyway, connect with him. And I'll have the links in the show notes that will be at the cindyrushtonshow.com. Okay, let's now pick up from there. Okay, you're now doing a lot of life and business coaching and and helping them find their message and get it out there. I can see the I can see the jump. However, it seemed to me, okay, I just want to say this because you probably also noticed I had a jump from where I was to where I am today and transition is just never easy. The growth you you want it, but then it can be so tough. So let's go back to how did you take the leap from where you were to where you are now? Well, the first thing is, is that so much of my journey of growth and transformation happened during the figuring out how to be full-time self-employed, overcoming all sorts of money issues from my upbringing, conditioned beliefs about, you know, you have to work hard to earn money. The more you hate what you do, the more you should get paid to do it. (laughs) I mean, some really whacked out beliefs. And not to mention, I spent majority of my life as an employee, even in the, even though I was extremely well paid as an insurance agent, I was still an employee at my mom and dad's insurance office. Right. So going from the from a lifetime with the mindset of an employee to being a full-time self-employed business owner. Mm. Cindy, I don't even think I if you would have said if, if I was in a room, get this. So I became full-time self-employed January 1st, 2008. It's a crazy year to go yep. full-time. Trust me, I know all about it. <laughs> so, but here if you would have asked me let's just say it was November of 2008. So almost an entire year of being full-time self-employed. If I were in an audience at a conference and somebody on the stage hears, somebody says a stage, who in this audience owns their own business? I would have never raised my hand. 
Mm-hmm. For some reason, even 11 months into my journey, I never even thought for a second I own my own business. Now, did I go and set up an LLC with an S-Corp election? Sure. Yes, I did. Did I, did I actually hire a CPA who could actually manage all of my taxes and payroll and all this other stuff? Sure, I did all of that stuff. Yeah. But I still operated as though I was an employee. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know why, but I, I just didn't think of myself as a business owner. I just, I have a job and my paycheck comes in from, from my job. I still didn't see myself as a business owner. So I had so many things that were obstacles in my way and all of it was mindset. Okay. I hope everybody just tapped into what he just talked about. Because I think that this is one of the biggest hindrances that people have when they're stepping into what God's called them to do is that mindset issue. Even like, okay, that affects your production. And I mean, like some of you, it affects your health because you're working yourself to death. It affects your finances. It affects everything. So I just want to tap in. Okay, so I almost skipped this part of the story because I my, my story's got so many different stories within the story. But now I have to tell it because you just brought it up the health. So mm-hmm. here's what I want to tell you. Because of that mindset and the, the fact that I had no idea what I was doing. I, and, and one of the biggest struggles that I had, and I see it over and over again, especially I asked you when you signed, uh, when you invited me, I said, can you tell me about your audience? You said they're Christian leaders who are stepping into and walking out their calling mm-hmm. uh, and, and life purpose. Right. So one of the biggest struggles that I had in this and that other people of faith have is that they feel like this work that they're called to do is their ministry and they have the most challenging time believing it's okay to be paid to Absolutely. do ministry. Yeah. They, they have a struggle. And, 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 and if anything, they're okay. They might be okay with surviving with ministry but the thought of thriving in ministry financially is mm-hmm. a taboo topic. And that was true for me. And so here's what happened, Cindy, is, is I had, all, like I said, I had messed up beliefs about money. I had beliefs that I shouldn't be charging people for things that I love that come so easily to me. This is my ministry. I should do things for free, <laughs> all of this other stuff. And I worked, get this, 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week, Mm-hmm. Every week for the first nine months without a single day off. Wow. That's not one typical. day. That is so typical. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> after, after, after nine months, I began to take one day a week off. I made it through my first year through the grace of God, in spite of all of my limiting junk in my brain. I made it through. It was a profitable year. My my CPA when we did our taxes. I'm I'm jumping a little bit forward, but then I'm going to come back and tell you how I celebrated though. But my CPA when we did our taxes in early 2009, he says, "Congratulations. Most companies don't have a profit until their third to fifth year." And you were profitable. I'm like, "Profitable? I made $11,000 net income personally." <laughs> He says, yeah, but Cliff, dude, you look at all this stuff. Look at all the expenses your business paid for. Look at the travel you did. Look at the business, uh, all the software, all of the computers, mm-hmm. the internet, the fact that you paid health insurance for your entire family on your own. Uh, you paid for my professional fees and all this stuff. And by the end of the year, you were actually, for the last three months of the year, you were able to draw a paycheck. I got to tell you, most people never draw a paycheck with mm-hmm. until their third year in business. You yeah. should celebrate. 
Now mm-hmm. you, you and 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 actually, I didn't. That was a conversation a, a little further down the road. But let me go back and tell you, I was just thrilled that I was that I hadn't gone back to mommy and daddy in the insurance in the family business at the end of the year. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because oh, I yeah. had lots of my. It was the biggest struggle I'd ever had financially in my life that oh, year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you, there was never a time that I doubted this was what I was meant to do and mm-hmm. that it was going to work out. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I broke down in tears quite often, but I, I, but I never gave up the vision. Mm-hmm. I knew ultimately it was going to work out. So to celebrate the end of that year, the first year, December 31st, 2008, I did a 24-hour nonstop live stream podcast marathon. Mm. on ustream.tv. This is before there was YouTube live and Facebook live and all this other stuff. This is old ustream.tv. 24 hours. I recorded 24 one hour podcasts straight in a row. Whoa. And right around the 22nd episode or in the 22nd hour, I began to experience some pain in my back and it was going all the way up and shooting through my through the my gut, and I'm like, man, that doesn't feel right. And and I'm just trying to just just make it through and stuff like that. I'm gonna go lay down and not you know whatever. Uh, this will pass. And so I finished the 24 hour marathon. It's all done. All the episodes have been published. As I was recording them, I was publishing them. I went to bed and I laid down. And I there's just no way I could lay down where I didn't have the most intense pain I'd ever felt. Mm-hmm. Ended up in the hospital, massive gallbladder attack, and I had massive gallstones. And they said, "Listen, uh, we need to take out your gallbladder uh, and uh, and all of the gallstones that are there, uh, mm-hmm. but you have one that's stuck in your cystic duct. And by the way, the one that's stuck in your cystic duct, uh, there's a chance that it'll just stay there. And if it stays there, it's no problem at all. Uh, but if we take out your gallbladder," And uh, well, first of all, they said to take if, if we were if you wanted us to go in and to remove the gallstone out of your cystic duct, we'd have to go and do a procedure before your gallbladder removal. And it would be this endoscopic thing. And the chances of your dying on the table, I think it was something like I think there's like a 60 or an 80 percent chance that you'll live through this thing. I don't remember what it was or something like that, but I had this never, I mean, me smile at all. <laughs> no, there, there was that there, this was, this is worse than coronavirus, my friends. So <laughs> let's just say that Pandemic, were not everybody. Looking, <laughs> this was, this is, this was a wow. pretty serious thing. And they said there, and so, well, so you're so, okay. So there's a, that seems to me like a very high percentage of a chance that I might die on the table based upon this surgery. Uh, so what if I don't do the surgery? And they said, well, if you don't do the surgery and the, and the stone stays there, you'll be fine. But if the stone drops without your gallbladder, you will die instantly. Wow. So I was faced with, Hmm. Okay. Do I (laughs) do a procedure where I might die or do I just chance it? And go with the saying that if this thing drops, I will die. <laughs> and so, uh, long story short, I almost died in the hospital. Uh, but a little spoiler alert: uh, I made it. 
and <laughs> and stuff like that. I had the procedure done. I didn't die on the table. They got all the stones out, and and so, but that that just goes. How did that? How did I get all those stones? It's because of the anxiety, the fear, the riddled self doubt about what do I do next. I I literally destroyed mm-hmm. my internal organ because of my mindset. Wow. That's powerful to, I mean, wow, 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 wow. Wow. So I came out of the hospital. Thankfully, I'd heard about James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson, who from Focus on the Family, he had suffered a pretty severe heart attack a couple years earlier than that, I believe. It was either months or years. Uh, And I remember him talking about how after he recovered from his heart surgery, he started doing something called 10,000 steps a day. By the way, at this point, Cindy, I weigh almost 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. All right. I have very unhealthy, never, I told you how many hours I work. I basically worked at, I ate, worked and slept. That's it. That's all I did. And -hmm. very little sleeping. (laughs) So um, I, I weighed almost 300 pounds and I started doing this 10,000 steps a day program, started to lose some weight, started to eat a little healthier over the course of 18 months. I lost 65 pounds and stuff like that. And, and that began a little bit of a fitness journey for me it lasted for about 18 months while I'm doing this. I'm really caught up into improving my life. And so that's when I started studying success, personal development, self-help stuff. And I had to, I even had a struggle with getting into self-help stuff because everybody's like, listen, don't you dare get into that self-help stuff. That's all selfishness. That's all materialistic. That's all this. Mm. That's all human performance and blah, blah, blah. That's evil. Oh, yeah. Baloney. Anyway, but I had to get over all of that. And I started to study this stuff. And, and as I studied this stuff, I started to see massive improvements. And I started to see significant increases in my income as I got rid of some baggage when it came to my mindset about money. I began to implement this thing called the mastermind principle where every week since, well, every week since October, 2010, I've met for one hour with five guys. And those five guys have spoken life into me more than anybody else. Um, and just the most incredible experiences. And what I'll tell you is that my journey has during this time as podcast answer man was seeing financial success and then actually self-sabotaging myself because I I don't know that I'm worthy of this amount of success. So I actually like I'll I'll make it, you know, I, I might say, well, my goal is to make ten thousand dollars a month. Well, all of a sudden, what had happened is one month I made fifteen thousand dollars mm-hmm. instead of ten thousand dollars. So I just took week two weeks off of work. Because because now I can, I'm already $5,000 ahead for the next month because I only am worthy of $10,000 a month worth of success. Any more than that's too much success. And Mm -hmm. so I had all of this baggage, but I'm working all of these things out. And then in November 2011, I think, uh, somewhere around there, I, I get the flu. I'm in on the West Coast in Los Angeles speaking at an event. And I I just like, all of a sudden, I'm out of my routine. I had a streak, you know, 18 months of perfection, you Mm -hmm. know, and and this is another thing that I had in my, my Nazarene background is sanctification, entire sanctification, holiness unto the Lord, you know, perfection. Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden, what happened is I'm in a hotel room, I can't get out, I can't even get out of bed. And next thing you know, I'm like, okay, what do I order to eat? 
Uh, and so I, I'm ordering French fries for the first time in eight months and a hamburger. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, that tastes so good. And I'm hungry. And, and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm eating all this food and I'm not actually working out because I'm sick. Mm. And, and finally I'm well enough to go all the way back, travel back home, but I'm still recovering from this. And, and now I've gotten back into some pretty terrible eating habits. Cause I forgot how good that food tastes. And now I'm not working out. And before you know it, what took me 18 months to lose all 65 of those pounds. I don't know. I, I might be exaggerating. It's been a while since I've actually experienced this, but I, I mean, I, I might exaggerate to say it only took me three months to gain the 65 pounds back. Right. Right. And, and now all of a sudden, I'm extremely financially wealthy. Mm -hmm. I'm more financially wealthy in this business. And I've got hundreds of thousands of people who say, Cliff, you're such an inspiration. Man, what you've done losing all of this weight, I'm so inspired by you. And here I am, this big fat guy again, you know, got all the weight back. I'm right back to where I was. I'm, I feel sick again. I feel lethargic, lack of energy. And Cindy, it all broke. This is an up and down journey. Okay. Up and down mm -hmm. journey. But, but as the podcast answer, man, the guy who left the full-time career to go start his own online business. Mm -hmm. And I have a business where I've now trained 40,000 people generated sometimes $750,000 in income with no other people working for me, just myself, mm -hmm. $750,000 in income in one year financially, everybody's like, Cliff, you're the greatest success. I want to be like you. And so Michael Hyatt invited me to speak on his stage for the platform conference. And I went out, it was November, 2014. And he, and I get on the stage two weeks before that event, I went and bought a brand new suit, a brand new suit. And what happened was I, this is in Colorado, his conference was in Colorado. So elevations a little higher above mm -hmm. sea level than Northern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, I drank plenty of water cause they told me to, but Cindy, I gotta tell you what, I walked up one little half flight of steps and my heart was about ready to burst out of its chest. And the day that I went to speak, I went that morning, I got dressed right before I went down to go and take the stage and to speak to this audience. Now, thankfully, my what I was there to speak about is the power of podcasting is the whole book. Um, the platform conference was based upon Michael's best selling book titled platform, how to get noticed in a noisy world. Mm -hmm. And Michael hired me to come speak at his conference to tell people about podcasting and why they should have one within the next 90 days. And I succeeded so with that. But here's what happened. That morning in the hotel room, I went to go put on my clothes, my, my suit to impress everyone. And my brand new jacket that I just bought two weeks earlier, by the way, custom tailored to me, custom tailored to me two weeks earlier, fit great. But I had gained so much weight in two weeks that I couldn't button the jacket and one of the buttons popped off. Wow. And all of a sudden wow. I'm like, man, I am such a fraud. Mm. I am such a fraud. What, what, what's going on here? See, Cindy, the whole reason why I left my career as an insurance agent wasn't so that I could be, get, you know, be seen as the world's leading authority as the podcast coaching consultant of the world. Right. I, I only started all of that so I could actually make money so that I could entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire others. 
Right. If you look right. at my username on any of the platforms, it's Cliff EOTC, Cliff encouraging others through Christ. Right. What, a, what is my number one mission? My purpose is to encourage others to truly discover their real true identity and to figure out how to live a life that they feel called to live in this world. And mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I look in the mirror and I was not called to live a life of a 300 pound man. Right. Right. That's and yet here I yeah. am. And all of these people are saying cliff. And so I, you know what I did is, is I, I went up on stage with my jacket on, but it's unbuttoned, you know, is what else are you going to do? Right. So, so I, I got up there and I'm just like, listen, I'm not here to impress people and stuff like that. So I get up there. I, at this point I had been trained per, professionally how to communicate on stage. I had trained how to get out of my own head and make sure that I'm focused only on my audience. I I'm a pretty decent public communicator at this mm -hmm. point. And so I get up there and I deliver. Here are four reasons why every single one of you must have a podcast within the next 90 days. Right. And I can I convinced everyone there to create a podcast. Wow. That's what I was hired to do. Yep. And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I went out into the, the lobby and I had 100 people waiting in line to talk to me. And every single cliff, oh my gosh, I've been following you for years. I'm so inspired by you. I want to live life exactly what you've lived over the last, I want to live a life just like you. And I'm like, I hope none of you experience what I've experienced over the last 10 years of my life. Mm. This is, wow. it, this is terrible. I hope you never have the, the fear, anxiety, and doubt, and shame, and self-condemnation that I've experienced over all of this time. Mm -hmm. I hope you never have the lack of self-control over your lust for food and all the other shameful things that go through my mind and my brain. I know that you're super impressed that I've generated so much money. I know that you're super impressed by the number of people who know my name publicly. I know you're super impressed about the fact that I used to not have the ability to speak on stage without like shivering in my voice. And I can come up here and do what you saw today. But I want to ask you this, at what cost? Oh, that's so good. Yes. Wow. And and I decided right then my life has to change. Yeah. And that night through a divine connection that only God can bring about, Ken Davis, which some of your audience might even know the name Ken Davis. He's a Christian comedian, mm -hmm. a very well-known Christian comedian. Anyway, he was Michael Hyatt's business partner for this conference. Uh, Ken Davis, he's all, and he was also my personal coach and mentor in the area of public speaking and mm -hmm. teaching me and training me how to, to do what God's put me on this earth to do, which is to communicate more dynamically. Mm -hmm. So that night at the speaker dinner, Ken says, listen, Cliff, I have never been, done this before, but I feel God is calling me to personally offer to mentor you, but not in public speaking. I mean, you're, you're well on your way there. Happy to help you anytime I can in that area. But in the area of health and fitness, Cliff, wow. you've spoken at all of our platform conferences. And here's the situation. I, they did their platform conferences for two and a half years. And I spoke at every single one of them. What, and they were about six to nine months apart from each other. Mm -hmm. All right. One time I'm on stage and I weigh about 212. The other time I'm 270. 
and then I'm 250 and then I'm 270. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Cliff, what are you doing, buddy? And, mm -hmm. and I said, Ken, I don't know. <laughs> I said, but I've got to do something. He says, I want, he says, let me tell you about my story. And by the way, Ken is like 69 years old. I think in, in 2014, November 14th, 2014, I'm pretty sure he's 69 years old at the time. He is healthy, physically fit, looking great. And it, we're in Colorado, high elevation, and he had just ran two miles up a mountain mm -hmm. that morning and back. Show so off. it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. So, so he says, Cliff, I want to, I want to offer to mentor you in the area of health and fitness. And I said, Ken, I've been praying for God to send me somebody to help me in this area. And he says, well, I've heard, he's heard your prayer and he's told me to help you. Mm. So he says, I'm going to help you, but I'm going to ask you to make some pretty hefty commitments. Number one, I want you to read my book called Fully Alive. So you know my story. And then he showed me a picture of himself when he weighed over 300 pounds. Wow. And how that almost cost him the life of his granddaughter. So that book is called Fully Alive. There was, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but there was an actual television special. Uh, it was is recorded as a film called Fully Alive that was that's on Netflix where he did a stage performance doing this whole message of Fully Alive. But he says, I want you to read my book, Fully Alive. Number two, I want you to read a book called Younger Next Year by this doctor and one of his patients. Mm -hmm. It's gonna radically change your understanding about your human biology and the importance of exercise for you, which will lead you to the third commitment. You will make a commitment to me that you will never break, that you will work out six days a week, every week for the rest of your life. Wow. He says three days a week are going to be devoted to, uh, three to four days a week will be devoted to cardiovascular, heart rate focused exercise. And the other two to three days will be all about uh, physical strength building, strength mm -hmm. training. Mm -hmm. And he says, but wait, there's one more commitment that's <laughs> required. Uh -huh. As you know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, or in, yeah, in, in Franklin, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And there is a, uh, there's a triathlon coming up in six months from now that I'm running wow. and you are going to complete that triathlon with me. Now, at this point, I weigh almost 300 pounds. Uh huh. He says, don't worry. It's not a full triathlon. It's a sprint triathlon. And I think that's something like it was 200 yards of swimming. It was 11 miles of bike riding and two or three miles of running. He yeah. says, but you're going to complete it in six months from now. And he said, and I sit there, I said, Ken, let me pray about that. And I'll get back to him. He says, absolutely. And of course we're sitting <laughs> and at dinner. that's what you dinner. really had to pray about. And, <laughs> and, and, and so we're sitting at dinner and I sit there and, and I, I waited for about 10 seconds. And I said, hey, Ken, he says, yeah. I said, I've prayed about it. I'm in. Mm. It, 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 was, it was, I just, that's all I needed. Was that 10 seconds to, is this, is this the answer, God? And he said, yes. And I said, okay. And wow. that began the biggest transformation of my life. See, I had already overcome so much of the mindset stuff. I had already come uh, overcome the financial, how to build a business stuff, how to succeed in all these other areas, how to succeed in, in marriage and stuff like that. But there were a couple other areas. Success as a parent was something God was telling me I need to work on, success in health and fitness. And there was still more work to do on the mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I actually took nine months off of my business in 2015 to focus on my health and fitness. 
Wow. And um, long story short, I've lost over 100 pounds of body fat. I've put on over 20 pounds of pure muscle mass, and I've kept it off for six and a half years. Yeah. Powerful. Now, when I came, when I came back in 2015, I was still the podcast answer man, Mm -hmm. but I had one desire. What would life just in 2006, I asked myself, what would life be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance? Mm -hmm. And now a decade later, 2000, uh, 2015, I'm saying, what would life be like if I could do this for a living instead of teaching people how to podcast? Mm -hmm. The interesting thing, uh, Cindy, is that the, this, what would life be like if I could do this is it was never different. No, it was the same thing. Yes. I want to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire people. I want to do full-time ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And I finally got to the place where I believe it's possible to actually get paid and to get paid well to do financial ministry or to do ministry. Right. And so um, I I began to study all sorts of things about what that might look like. I'm still generating income as the podcast answer, man. I began going to some Tony Robbins conferences. My wife and I both walked on fire, which is incredibly awesome experience. Um, <laughs> I, I went down the deepest depths of training about the mind, the subconscious mind, how to gain self-control, how to control your emotional state, how to tap into all sorts of things that God has given us that we don't even, we're never taught about anywhere in our educational or even church systems. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh my gosh. And next thing you know, I'm literally, God is teaching me all this stuff. And then I, in September, 2017, I read this book called uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Reading that and right I now. Learned, I learned what was called my zone of genius. Yeah. And the, and the encouragement is like, what would, be, what would life be like if I made all of my income working only in my zone of genius. Right. What if I only did the things that I felt that I was put onto this earth to do and I said no to everything else? Wow. As soon as I finished that yep. book, I said, I began to, I went out to publicly speak on social media. I was doing lots of faith, Facebook lives at the time. I said, guys, you've got one year. If you've been thinking about taking podcasting A to Z over the last decade, this year is your last year because mm-hmm. within one year, I am shutting down. of everything that I earn from podcast training. I I won't, I don't even want to do it digitally. I don't want to make any passive income from, I just want to only do what I feel most called to do in this world. So -hmm. you've got one year. Fast forward about a week. I said, you guys got 90 days. Because I, I'm not giving you a year. You've got 90 days. And then you fast forward one more week. I'm on my way down to Tennessee to speak at a conference with Ray Edwards. And I did a Facebook live on the road. I said, remember how, how I told you you had a year, but then I dropped it back to 90 days. Yeah, no, uh, I have a course. My final podcasting A to Z course starts in two weeks from now. It's your last chance. You sign up or you don't, this is it. It's mm-hmm. done. I am now the mindset answer man from this day forward. And that's right. how I made that transition. I went to a whiteboard. I had already started, you know, ever since I made that decision, I had already been putting in my toes in the water of some products and services. I'd already created some workshops where people were paying me $2,000 a person, 14 people at a time. 
people traveling from New Zealand. They've never, my friend Dan Faulkner, he has never left New Zealand in his entire lifetime. And he spent $2,000 and flew to Northern Kentucky for a two and a half day workshop here. Yeah. So it's like, and it had nothing to do with podcasting. And I began offering some coaching packages and all this other stuff. And, and next thing you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I've proven I I can actually make a living by doing what God has put me on this earth to do today. Cindy, I work only three days a week in 2020. Some people know just how challenging 2020 was for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2020, I made more money than I could have ever dreamed possible working only three days a week in 2020. And ever since then, I even into 2021, now we're in February. I have never worked a single Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. There you go. See, I've, I've got to wear Monday. I don't work. I want the whole thing, the whole baby there. Uh, you know what? This really inspires me because I know um, I had a sabbatical because of life situation, you know, and then coming back in, it has, you know, the world is so different. And of course I knew it would be, I knew if I took a week off, it would be different, but to me, coming back, I had part of the delay was not about all, all of that. It was really about I didn't want to go back where I had been, where I was like what you're talking about, very stressed, pushed. I traveled every week, but four weeks a year. And now I realize I probably could have traveled then. Um, but the thing that I think that I see for me and then I see it for other people, we want the change really it's knowing, you know, how, how do you get to that place where that change really does last? Because I'm finding that my, I sabotage myself. And I think this is where we kind of go tapping into, you know, your, the mindset, because I, I do know that that is my biggest hindrance. And I love that you said that you spent that year. It sounds like a good sabbatical year. And I love that God, those are principles from God. You know, we don't hear it in the church. I mean, who's going to teach that? You know what I'm saying? We hear about sabbatical years. We hear about, you know, this is what that looks like to me that you did. And it really refocused you for your next, for your next step. That's powerful. But then again, some of us, we do that. We take the leap and it's like, how do you keep on going? Maybe I, I was just listening to a podcast you did on numbers and I love what you said there. My heart just was like squealing in delight because I think people, they, they take a step. Maybe they don't see the numbers that they want. They get distracted and they don't realize this is about so much bigger than the numbers, the working yourself to a frenzy, you know, all of those things. It's really about something much bigger. And I think you've got that through the, your journey. Absolutely. It, it, it's all come down to what Jesus says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he said, actually, I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm getting it wrong, but he said, my, for my yoga is easy. And, and, and the reason why I say many people are going to think that I misquoted that because they're going to say, no, it says my yoke is easy. Y-O-K-E. Yeah. And Y-O-K-E is this, this device that was used in farming and implementation back then where you could have two oxen and then you put it around the neck of each one and, and that would keep them in union with one another. 
but there is this Eastern uh, mysticism kind of spirituality movement called yoga, which is a science of meditation. Mm-hmm. And it and the word yoga means divine union or, or union with the divine. So the original Greek word is zugos. And zugos in the original Greek can be translated today as either yoke or yoga. Interesting. Yeah. Now, what did Jesus? And so yoga, by the way, yoga isn't what I used to, I used to think of yoga. Yoga is where you get those stretchy pants and you do those little bendy exercises. <laughs> That's, that, that is a form of yoga, but actually yoga as a scientific practice, one, there's what's called roha yoga. This is, this is what God has t- t- trained me, uh, or it's, it's roha or raha yoga it, it, or royal yoga, whatever. It, it actually means royal yoga, but royal yoga is all about sitting and, and quote unquote, be still and know that I am God. It is mm. about being still. It is taking captive of every thought and holding it obedient to the mind of Christ. There you go. You know, by the way, I, I so I'm starting to get into some dangerous territory with some people. People but don't get mad. Getting, we love Cliff. Don't no, get mad at him. I think uh, you, <laughs> don't go, get mad because this is go good. ahead and get because I'm, I'm go I'm ahead and get mad. That says, oh, you're so funny. <laughs> I'm the very first person that says yoga of the devil, you know. OK, and please don't get mad at me for saying that either. OK, I know how easy people can be offended. That's just prophetic. We're in the end times. OK, that's another show. But <laughs> here I love where okay. you're going with this so, because keep on with this. This is good. So, so what happened was Jesus calls, he says, listen, if you, my yoga is easy. And if you come to me, I will give you rest for your soul. Mm. That's what he says there. I will give you rest for your soul. Mm-hmm. And I will lead you into the deep rooted sources of the water, the refreshing. It, it, your life does not have to be, he says, be anxious about nothing, worry about no things. And, and so all of a sudden, I began to experience this oneness with God through a deep meditative experience. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, uh, there was the time when Jesus was hanging out at two of the disciples' home. All of a sudden, everybody in the town and village brought their sick and, and demon-possessed, and Jesus healed everyone that night. And the Bible says that early in the morning, before it was light, Jesus went off to a solitary place and prayed. Another way that I like to think about this is he went off to a solitary place and he sat in a meditative yoga position and stilled his mind and had divine union with his father. He says, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father saying. The father is in me and I am in the father. And what did Jesus say in the garden in his prayer to father? I pray that they would be one with us. I'm adding that as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. And so much of it is, listen, so so for me, I'm convinced is, Come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened, mm-hmm. and I will give you rest for my meditation practice of union with Father yeah. is easy. And if you come to me, you can be still and know God. And I invite you to be one with me. Mm-hmm. I invite you to, to 
to, to wipe away the distractions of the mass consciousness and the thoughts of everybody else that they would condition you to believe. And I invite you to raise your consciousness level to the mind of Christ that I will give you. Mm-hmm. And that's I, what I've experienced. Wow. See, I love that. And by the way, my church has actually been camping a lot on John 17 and um, what we would call the Song of Songs. You know, not the Song of Solomon. Go look. He says, this is the song above all songs. And it's that union, that relationship, that that beloved identity. You guys that have been listening to my show any, you're hearing a lot of that because there's such power. And, and I do believe that that's where real transformation comes because he says, I, you know, it's by my loving kindness and my loving kindness brings repentance, not my pointing the finger, not my giving you a bunch of rules, not my, uh, me giving your, you all these things to do, walk across those hot fires, you know? And I think that that is where we miss it because we've been jumping through all the hoops and we're exhausted. We're weary. We're overburdened. I, one translation says to that verse overburdened by religion. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're spot on it. Okay. I love asking a few questions like, um, what is one thing you just wish you knew way back when that you now know now, and, and you just want to impart it to us? What would it be? Oh, one thing it's tough to just choose one thing, but one is that I never had to work as hard as I did. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I wish, I wish in 2008, I had somebody in my life to tell me it's not about how hard you work. It's mm. about how hard you work on yourself. Mm. Do the inner work, the, the work that you do inside your own heart, your mind and your soul. Yeah. Uh, get that right. And everything else falls into place. Mm. Let, in 2008, I did not have the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, patience, kindness, peace, joy, ultimate fulfillment. No, I do. I was, I was full of myself. I was, I, I, I believed I had to make everything happen. Mm-hmm. And it was I mean, one of the, by the way, one of the first self-help books is not technically listed as what most people would call as a self-help book, but one of the first books books on personal development that God sent me to was the autobiography of George Mueller, Mm M-U-L-L-E-R. And I learned about how he had made a decision to live a life of poverty and trust God for every provision with the expectation that he would never speak to anybody about his financial need ever. And I just read read that. that. I, I read that book and I said, God, are you telling me to live a life of poverty and do the same? He says, no, mm. I'm not. What I'm trying to communicate to you is not by your might or your work or your effort that your income flows to you. Yeah. Your provision comes from me. Right. Now, if you want to, you can go work and work and work and you can, you can instead of being in union with me, or yoked with me, instead of being in union with me, you can, you can, you can pull the heavy load all by yourself if you want to. And I'm still going to bring the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but for whatever reason, you think that it's because you're pulling the heavy load <laughs> that I'm sending the money. Yeah. 
I'm sending the money whether you do that or not, but I'm inviting you to because you're so heavy burden and you're destroying your gallbladder and and all of this other stuff. I'm inviting you to be in union with me. Sit, be still, know that I'm God, see that I provide. Yes. That's what I, I, Cindy, that's what I wish I knew. Yeah, that's so good. And I hope everybody just soaked that in. If not, rewind, listen again, and rewind and listen again until it's yours. Because that is, that's, to me, that's the whole thing. God doesn't, he's not wanting for us to work, work, work our way to him, work our way. I mean, I think some of this comes back to our worthy, our issue of are we worthy or who we are? Do we get who we are and who he is and what he can and will do? Um, We get it all mixed up and messed up. And the best place to be is in his presence for him to be our teacher. And so I, I say this a lot in my broadcast. I say that this is an invitation to a conversation with him. And if that rattled your cage some and it should have, it shoulda, if you haven't already got there and you are, if you're not already going, yes, I learned that too. If you haven't, that should rattle your cage a little. And if it did, this is an invitation to a conversation with God. He, I think he wants to tell you some amazing things that are going to make a big difference. Okay. So I like to also ask my guest, what are you working on now? We want the D we want the details. (laughs) <laughs> the biggest thing that I'm doing is I'm working on learning everything that father wants to teach me. So every morning, somewhere between 2.27 in the morning and 4.47 in the morning, every morning without an alarm, he wakes me up mm-hmm. and he started doing this in October. And so far, as of today, I have 425 pages of handwritten notes and you can wow. see all of my tabs so that I can easily find all of the things he's been teaching me. And this is the thing that I'm working on. I just, I just spend hours with him every morning, somewhere between three to five, sometimes seven hours a day. I hang out alone with God that teaches me the most wonderful things. Yeah. Ooh, you're going to love the broadcast right before this cliff, because I talked just about that. I had, um, a, when my therapist, she last summer put me, um, I guess it would be called like time out or something, but she gave me the assignment. Um, her illustration was Cindy, I want for you to have time with God that, and and I don't want you giving any of this to anybody else. She said, just think of this kind of like how I see you. She said, I see you like the girl that would bake a plate of cookies and you would give it to everybody else and you would never eat it yourself. I said, no. And see, it goes back to what you were talking about, about weight, that, that, that journey thing, you know, I would never, nope, you're right. I will give to everybody else because I'm such a great Christian. Just kidding. Here's where it goes. She knew my stuff. She was reading my mail and she said, here's the deal. She said, I want you everything, everything that you get for until I tell you to stop. I want it to be you and God. You cannot share any of your cookies with anybody else. She said, you can eat your cookies all in one day. You can eat your cookies every couple of hours. You can eat your cookies one a day. She said, I don't care how you do your cookies. She said, but you have to eat all your cookies. They're not for anybody else. Yeah. That brought such a transformation to me that I have no words. And the funny thing, you know, where it started was a conversation she and I had, we were looking at my day and here it was a 15, 20 hour day, every single day. And I was getting my good little hour, hour and a half, 
maybe two hours on super good days where I was spending it with God. And she said, do you really think that's enough? Do you think people really want what you have to offer? She said, that's not even a tithe, Cindy, of your day. And you want to talk about, I knew, I knew she loved me. She could say these things and pour these things into me. But I sat there in tears after I got off of the call with her because I had to do something about it. And it's like what she said, it's the sweet stuff. I think God's calling us into a secret, sacred place. And that's where we yeah. operate on overflow. Yeah. And I just want to say this. I, there have been a number of times when I read people's autobiographies and stories of their, oh my gosh, their hours of things. And there used to be a time in my life, Cindy, where I felt like, man, if I don't do this, I'm not a good Christian and, and stuff like that. And there were times when I forced myself to do this and all these other things. And I can tell you right now, this has nothing to do with doing it because you should. I don't want anybody to think, oh my gosh, Cliff, he's such a saint. I can't imagine how awesome he is because he, it has, I can't not do it. It is, so, this is something that I am so drawn to. I am more drawn to this than any other thing that I've ever been drawn to. I am not, I, I should not be praised or, or appreciated right. for my devotion and time spent with God. I, I will tell you right now, I, it's selfishness. I love it. I'm drawn to it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, sometimes I'm like, man, I, you know, I, 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 how, how many hours before I get back to that time, that next session. And it's not, and again, I'm not saying that because I'm special. It's, it's just there. I, I never guessed that I would be able to be one of those people that, mm -hmm. that do this. And not because I feel like it should be or something like that. No, it was an no, invitation. Yeah. Well, and I think here's the thing. We also have to look at our day. What does our day look like? You know, I realized last year, whenever God was moving me back into the business and, and into full-time business ministry, same, you know, same word to me, but when he was doing that in an hour a day, I was able to get my work done. So you're looking at, you know, I was, I was having to do it with a full time, well, actually at one point, three full-time jobs, um, and school. And, you know, uh, at the time I was getting my master's. Um, at, you know, it, there was so much going on that I had to do. I only had like an hour and it meant get up early to be able to have that concentrated hour. And I wouldn't let anything else happen, but my business. And, and so I realized that, okay, there was a lot of time I was wasting because I began to see a lot of hours. And, and now I believe there's a lot of time we waste on these and that makes us mad. It makes us stressed. It makes us frustrated. And that's been one of the things, again, I wasn't talking about a lot of time that she was asking me to do. I was talking more about what she was saying not to do, which was to go and always be about the product, always be about the showy thing is about me being who I was supposed to be. And I don't even remember exactly how long we spent, but about week two, I was getting tired of her putting me in the timeout. And that's where everything broke for me. That was when I was really able to hear that God, he was, what he was saying to me was how much he loved me. And I was having to sit on yep. some stuff. He was saying to me that literally transformed my life. And, and made it to where I, that he got rid of a lot of the junk that was distracting me. So um, that's an invitation for somebody. Somebody needs to hear that or we would never have gone there. Okay, so what do you want to leave us with as we end our show today? You know, tell us if we got nothing else. 
if we got nothing else, I would, I would leave with this. Find a quiet place to break free from the noise and the distraction of the world. And even if it's only five minutes, mm-hmm. sit and be still and be quiet and close your eyes and just do everything you can to escape the normal thoughts that are going through your mind. And it will be almost impossible at first. Uh, and, and matter of fact, I would encourage you to look up five minute guided meditation. Just, just go anywhere. Just look up five minute guided meditation. And eventually some of them, the better, the good ones will say, Hey, it, listen, if all of a sudden you notice that you're, you know, you focus on your breath, just focus on the breath going in and focusing on the breath going out and just focus on your breath. And at any point, if you realize that your thoughts are wondering and a random thought just popped in, don't beat yourself up, just acknowledge it and say, okay, and return your focus to the breath. Just do this five, 10 minutes a day, every day. And eventually what I've learned and what I heard and has been true, eventually you'll be able to break free from the thoughts of this world, the carnal mind, and you'll be able to rate it. It's a little woo woo language, but you'll raise the vibrations of your thought and be attuned to the mind of Christ. And you will begin to hear father speak directly to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Tell us how we can stay connected with you. Tell us where to find you. Oh, goodness. CliffRavenscraft.com is my website. Uh, My podcast is the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And uh, I'm Cliff EOTC on Clubhouse and on Instagram. And that stands for Cliff Encouraging Others Through Christ. So Cliff EOTC. I'm on Clubhouse a lot these days. And it's where I love spending most of my time. So. Yes, yes. And you'll see us, you'll see us there. You'll see us both. Oh, thank you, Cliff. And everybody, I want to thank you guys for being a part of today's show too. You can find me at your favorite podcast place. Just look up the Cindy Rushton show. Also, while you're there, follow the Cliff Ravenscraft shows. Um, Man, he's, he's got great stuff. You guys are going to love it, especially if you are in business and you need to be able to really learn how to grow your message. Take your message out there. He's got some good stuff. I've been binging him. I know, but it, also check me out at my website. It's cindyrushton.com. The, the show, you can click off right there at the top. It, it links you to the show and you can see the show notes there. You can also go just directly to the cindyrushtonshow.com. Check me out on social media. I'm right there. You can find me, Cindy Rushton, and I'm um, a whole bunch of places. So anyway, you guys also tune in next week. We've got a show every single week, and it's either with me or it's with people that I absolutely love, like Cliff. And I just want to invite you to be part of the conversation, part of the community. This is for you. This is why I do what I do. Well, you guys, I hope you have a wonderful week. I look so forward to seeing you again next week. And that's a wrap for the Cindy Rushton Show. We will be back next week for another awesome show. If you can't wait until then, check out other great episodes and our show notes online at our website, cindyrushton.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our show at any of your favorite podcast services so you don't miss even one episode.